Are you ready to go down the rabbit hole? The All Things Alice podcast will explore the cultural phenomena of Alice in Wonderland. Frank Bedore, the author of the Looking Glass Wars trilogy, is your host through a wonderverse of interviews from all types of creators as they chronicle the dark yet empowering reality of Lewis Carroll's fantasies and answer the question, what is it about Alice that captivates us still today? The All Things Alice podcast, available wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, visual listeners, and welcome to the Replayer Podcast. <laughs> I'm your host today, Dan. Of course, with me is Pagan. And we have a very special guest with us today. We have Mr. Sean Bolin from Hangtime. Hello and welcome, Sean. Not that special. Sadness. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Yeah. What's going You're on? You're special to us. Okay, special Sean. Special to us. <laughs> at least, Sean. <laughs> Can't speak very for sweet. anybody else in your life, but to us, <laughs> at least. <laughs> <laughs> these these two strangers who I just met. Uh, Very two random strangers. The fake right. Irish one and the American one. Fake Irish. Yeah, we were just saying that I have wireless headphones, so we were doing our meet and greet. I went to the kitchen, and uh, I was thinking about how funny it would be if Fagan just, like, dropped her accent when she thought I couldn't hear her. And, uh, like, I got really mad about it, but it's real, so. Unfortunately, he has not been privileged to catch me out in my act. She proved it with all of the but not by you, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> Irish Rolling Hills. Well, thank you for joining us today, Sean. I'm very excited to have you here. Um, yeah, you only just met us, but then again, you have a bigger, broader audience, and it's a privilege for us to be able to have you on and talk to us on our podcast. You're like, yeah, thank you so much for being here. Nah. No, I just, I just, uh, I just now started calling our channel medium size. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I called our channel a small channel for a really long time because in the in the grand scheme of like successful brands, we are absolutely tiny. Um, as far as like in our space, right? In our average viewership is kind of it's growing, right? So we've gone from like like one eighty to like three hundred in the past year or so. Um, but I've just now gotten like the uh, I had a little community feedback uh, that wasn't mm. uh, wasn't very positive uh, about calling ourselves a small channel. So I'm now like. We are a medium-sized channel, right? <laughs> that changed that verbiage. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, thank you for having me. I'm, exci- I'm excited. Yeah, uh, I just want to like point out that you know this is uh, coming off of the fact that you did an interview with one of our contributors for the CouchSoup.com uh, with Rowan. Uh, so you actually spent some time with talking to Rowan, and he asked you and got to learn a, l- a little bit more about who you are and hang time in that channel. Um, and then you were so gracious to uh, agree to come chat with us here on the podcast. And uh, that leads me to want to get to know you kind of on a like a different level. And I, I honestly wanted to ask you, like, what got you into video games? OK, let's get into it. Yes, uh, exactly. I think uh, I think video games are just an easy uh an easy form of expression. Right. So when you, I was a kid, you know, you had the Nintendo at you know, Uncle Kenny's house. Uh, and, you know, he had all these weird games like Bayou Billy and, uh, you know, Super Mario Brothers 3 and just a weird box of gray cartridges. And you didn't have them at home, right? So you just start pumping stuff in there. And uh, I think the sense of discovery and uh, the art of the cartridge uh, <laughs> got me into video games. I sound like really, really old. But like, 
Uh, this is all over Pagan's head right now. I I appreciate all of this, by the way. Yeah, I think I think <laughs> I think like just like yeah. like stupid art on cartridges, and it's like classic NES cover art and box yeah, art. It's like surely it doesn't look like this, and then you put it in, and then it looks like crap, and you play it, and you form your own adventure because <laughs> you have to fill in gaps. Um, that kind of started it off was just like just NES and stuff, but I got a hand me down Sega Genesis from my brother when I was like uh, six and then he gave me the Lion King and Mortal Kombat on a Sega Genesis. Sonic. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I was, I was booting up the Lion King. Of course it was like my favorite movie and, and all that stuff. And I would, I would wake up at like five o'clock in the morning before the school bus came. So I could play like Lion King like early on. And mm-hmm. And then I would get on the bus and I'd get home. And that's like when addiction started. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it just kind of Coke addiction. Out. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, OK. That is oh, an awful young Coke, age. The Coke addiction didn't start until a little bit later. Until <laughs> so you were like seven. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A few years later. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, just that. Just a the challenge of it. And uh, just. I, I don't know. I think it was just easy. I was re- I was like a real outside kid when I was young, uh, like a big time outside kid. I take my Jurassic Park action figures and like go play, nice. go play in. The Are dirt. you me? Because that sounds like my childhood. Yeah, <laughs> like, literally. Yeah, maybe. But uh, I had the Jurassic Park toys. I played those NES games. Did the would, same thing. I <laughs> would put I would put my Jurassic Park toys and I would put them in a Tonka bulldozer and I would pretend like the dinosaurs were like shoving the bulldozer off like a cliff and it's like a dirt hill. That's like really small. Um, but video games turned me into an inside kid (laughs) pretty quick. It was, I don't, I don't know like why, uh, like genetically, like it pulled me. Uh, but yeah, that was the Genesis of you have no no pun intended. (laughs) Oh, mm. (laughs) that's very, no pun. Definitely intended. That was very smart. Well done. Um, no, I have a, a question. Then, do you do you remember a game that like changed you? Like, do you like do you remember a game that really impacted you? Was like, this is where it's at. Was it the Lion King, or do you think it's something nah, else? I think there was a um, video games are a especially like growing up. Like video games were what I like looked forward to. You know, I mm-hmm. kind of just existed until a release date. Uh, <laughs> And even in, you know, junior high, I think every gamer like junior high is like the, oh, my God, if I could just get to the next video game release, everything's going to be okay. Uh, But whenever there was a game called Croc, Mm. when the PlayStation was coming out and Mm -hmm. it, it was like. It's like a really bad Crash Bandicoot, and you played as this alligator with a backpack who was running around. It was so cute, and that was that was like when the PlayStation was coming out, and you know, I I just like begged my parents for a PlayStation because I wanted to play Croc. I didn't want to play Mario sixty four. I wanted to play Croc because it was going to be the future of video mm-hmm. games in my entire life. So I think the, uh, the maybe the dopamine hit from whenever I got the PlayStation on Christmas and I got Croc be like looking forward to it as, as well as the already like uh, inset uh, addiction from my Sega Genesis. That probably was what changed and like really formed 
my trajectory as a as a gamer. Then of uh-huh. course, then of course it's like the PlayStation's out and then Crash Bandicoot's coming out. When's Crash 2 coming out? When's oh this Christmas Crash Warp's coming out. PlayStation 2, you know, and then it just gets out of control. Yeah. But it's still going. Yes, yes, yeah. as as we'll probably talk about on this podcast with Elden yeah. Ring, it is it is still very much going. So I feel like it was definitely a different time back then, though. Like when there was so much fewer game releases in like the PS2 mm-hmm. and 64 days, where like I remember having, as a kid, it'd be like, "Oh, I really want Super Mario 64. I really want Crash Bandicoot for PlayStation." But as a kid, I have to wait for my birthday or Christmas, which yes. unfortunately for me are in December and January. I have to go all year yeah. waiting. So it's like that stuff <laughs> stockpiles. And then I get all my games at once. And it's like, okay, these are my games for the year. Uh-huh, okay. Yeah. So much different from now. Uh, yeah. I think, I mean, now obviously there's just so many quality studios and so many quality games. And I hate it when gamers complain about like, games being expensive and costing money because it's the cheapest Same. it's the cheapest Sorry. hobby in the world no no yeah but uh elaborate just cut me off whenever you want i'm a i'm a yapper so um <laughs> we, we've uh, mentioned that a few times like here to, on the podcast just for, like for context yeah we we've mentioned that a few times like about how people are always like oh man that game's gonna come out and it's like 70 bucks and you're like yes and it's massive and yeah, you can right. spend 150 hours in there what else can you do for that price like, i know and with game pass yes, and uh, all that it's just like just shut up and play yeah. the video <laughs> games like uh there was a time in video game history where uh the internet and myself was like if it's not 30 hours at least i'm not gonna spend 60 i need two dollars an hour for my video game and now i'm just begging for games to be like four hours long so i right. can actually <laughs> consume them so even from a time standpoint the hobby is just like so incredible i don't even remember what i was saying but yeah you were talking about uh <laughs> christmas and your birthdays but it's the same kind of thing where it was like um cool okay christmas is coming i want uh i want jack 2 and need for speed underground and max Payne 2 please <laughs> and then you get them on christmas and it's like all year yeah. See, I think like there, I, I haven't really had the same experience. Like I wasn't like, a cat, I want to say like casual gamer or something. When I didn't I was mean to throw you under the bus, but I was just more the age difference. But you just got into it with PlayStation one more than like OG Nintendo. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, um, but yeah, so I was kind of like a casual gamer. I'd only pick up games every now and then and play like half of them or something like that. But really like the games that changed my life were like from oh god i don't know i would say probably say like uncharted at the last of us or something where i was like holy fuck like this is this is something else this is something i've never touched before and i'm so excited um so i think like i can totally relate but when you're saying you're like oh i have all these games for the year i'd be like how would you do you just do you just repeatedly play them like yeah. a lot yeah you just play them over and over again yeah i mean that boring yeah i mean it didn't as a kid because our imagination um, would have to carry us right but like that's fair like Uncharted and, and Last of Us, I would imagine like those are such um, those are really benchmarks in uh, a quality narrative. Yes. Um, and that that you're ingrained into because you're controlling the characters. Right. Uh, mm. But yeah, like when I was growing up, it was uh, it. I think I was just really bad uh, at video <laughs> games, but you would. 
I don't know if I really replayed the games either, though. I mean, like a game like Need for Speed, like I, I wish I had a counter on like uh, just like an internal clock to know how long I played it because it seems like I played it for thousands just, and thousands yeah. of hours. I don't think I did. I think I played Max Payne two like once, and it's like six hours, but it probably took me like three weeks to beat or something. Yeah. Oh yeah, true. Or, yeah. <laughs> or yeah, it just took more time. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I guess, and I, I guess I wasn't. But was I binging them as much? I don't really, I don't really remember. But yeah, I a lot of these games, you, you're spread, you're spreading them, and you're bouncing back and forth between them. So. I think it depends on the time frame too, because like older games back on like the Super Nintendo, they were relatively short, but they were challenging. And we've discussed the Lion King at length on this podcast before. <laughs> um, I got it there for uh, my thirtieth birthday. I got um, a little pack for the Switch. That's the Lion King and oh, Aladdin. Yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, an I awesome. like, <laughs> back in the day for me, like my biggest games on the Super Nintendo were Donkey Kong Country and Lion King, and I played those games over and over and mm. over again, like on mm. repeat, and I. I don't know what it was about those games that they were just so satisfying that I could just play that game over and over again. And it was probably more because it was the only game I had. So it was the game I played essentially. Yeah. Yeah. There's not, there's uh, I guess the less choice just kind of would force you to, to, to play the same thing more, more than like play it over and over again. It would just be like to clean it out. You know, like I would, I would hundred percent like every game I ever got. Like I remember one time I got, our guy like crash bandicoot one uh i'd saved up crash band uh money for crash bandicoot and uh i beat the game in like four hours i just like blitzed it <laughs> and i was i don't know i was like i was like 10 i was upset i like i was like crying and i like went to my mom and i was like i was like i'm so mad at myself because i spent i saved up 50 That's bucks so for this i know i was like i saved up 50 bucks for this and i beat i remember i beat it in the time that um I, I beat it in the time that i got home from school and before bedtime that's how fast i just blitzed it and i was like i was like i beat it and it's over and i just wasted my money because it was only five hours and my mom was like okay but did you do everything in the game and i was like i was like <laughs> i just like i just like went back to my room and i looked at the save file and the save file was like 23 percent complete and and i was like i'm glad you asked that question pagan because it's getting me all these memories but yeah it was (laughs) it was like crash bandicoot it's and it's super complicated as a 30 year old i can't like remember how to do things in the specific order yeah there's all this stupid you have to get all the boxes in a level and beat it in a certain time and all this stuff. Um, but that the bonus took me... levels and the like the little pretty girl faces, you know what I mean? Like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So after that, it was like that took me like weeks and weeks. Uh, but after that, I, I was like, I have to go. I have to go do Crash Bandicoot one now because I did the same thing in that game. And that was even harder. And then when like Crash Warped came out, it I just from the get go, I'm like, I know I'm going to 100 percent it. And then that kind of held my attention through like all the Jack and Daxter games and Ratchet wow. and Clank. I, I would, I would want a hundred percent, at least like fun 3d platformers. I would want to yeah, hundred percent them. Would you, would you consider yourself a completionist now or has that just, is that a time issue now? Mm-hmm. Not a, it's a time issue now. Like when, right. um, like because the schedule is so demanding whenever, whenever like a new game comes out that I really want to play, uh, 
like when Red Dead 2 came out, I, you know, just be like, hey, you know, I talked to my wife and be like, <laughs> this is going to be, I'm going to stay up late Long. a little bit. Um, so just a couple of weekends, I need to beat this so I can move past it. Something that, you know, it's really important. So like when Red Dead came out, when Red Dead 2 came out, I, I, cleaned it out right i didn't 100 percent completion it but i really took my time to see everything because if a game stays in my collection too long or if i take time off from it i won't mm-hmm. go back to it like when last of us 2 came out i i was like I, I i did that in like three or four eight hour sittings in okay. like one 12 hour sitting because i was like hey first off the internet's gonna spoil this for me Mm-hmm. second off um it's only going to be 10 hours so i can beat it real fast right uh-huh. which it's which 30 hours <laughs> um uh so yeah even when i played that i really really took my time to make sure i saw everything that i that i could at least on one run uh mm-hmm. so i could at least get the catharsis of feeling like i completed everything there was to do because i know i won't have the time to come back to it a second time right yeah. Okay. No, that's fair. That actually uh, makes me think of a question I was I was going to have for you too. Is like, as a content creator, do you find it hard to consume other content? Because um, I know I feel that. Like, I'm so oh, yeah. busy, I feel like I don't have time to indulge myself on a lot of things that I would like to do. Yeah, I mean, not on content. Like, we're we're really good at uh, my wife Chelsea and I. We're really good at like squaring away time and making sure it's like, hey, let's you know, let's set aside time to watch this show. Uh, we try to binge stuff to make sure we also sequester time away from that. I don't watch any, I don't really watch any streamers at all, like ever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I watch people we raid. I watch our friends clips. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if we are in a position to like hire, I would, I would watch before we hired PETA. Like I watched a lot of streamers. I was looking for more talent to hire onto the, to the company. Uh, even though I kind of knew it was going to be PETA anyway, but, uh, but yeah, as far as content goes, it's just the only other thing. It's also made me kind of, uh, kind of, I don't know if it's resentful or if it's just the knowledge of what it takes, uh, kind of makes me like not want to consume content. (laughs) I think I saw a tweet from Mr. Beast the other day who called a channel that was, getting 4 million monthly views. Mr. Beast called it small. Oh. And uh, he deleted the tweet like I knew he would. But, oh, but, but, like, but like as a content creator, like for instance, when I watch Mr. Beast and people are like, man, Mr. Beast is the best content creator ever. I'm like, ah, Mr. Beast's production company is mm-hmm. like, I hope, and, and I want to educate other content creators. So like I... Like just in this instance, it's like, ah, I hope you know that like don't compare yourself to like literally the king of the internet because I promise you it's not just that yeah. one guy. It's way harder than you think to do all yeah. that. Yeah, there's a whole production company behind that. There's employees behind that. There's like a bunch of staff and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I totally understand that. Like if he has like a video go viral, like as a content creator watching smaller content creators, um, or even like content creators in our community be like, Oh, Mr. Beast is number one. I'm going to do something like that on my stream. And it's like, 
oh no you're not you don't understand the production that that takes don't hurt yourself you know mm-hmm. uh yeah but sure it's in in the area of other content creators that's kind of the effect is just like I, i'm all i'm like hyper conscious of like uh the work that other content creators are putting in and um also hyper aware of growth of other content creators yeah mm-hmm. I, i'm not supposed to compare myself to anybody but i compare myself to everybody uh, but there is an element to that, though, Sean, to be fair, because if you're a content creator on a platform, you do need to understand like what is doing well on that platform. So you're yeah. watching mm-hmm. for trends, and even if you're doing it submit- uh, subliminally, like with regards to your growth and stuff and what's working, what isn't like there's a certain aspect of that 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 can be true. Like, so I, I understand what you're saying, that you're just like, well, you know, you kind of you can't compare yourself to somebody else's success, but you can take notes from yeah. what is mm-hmm. successful on the content platform. Yeah, it's very hard operating as a brand and um like we, the goal the goal I think for any content creator is should to be an anomaly uh on a yeah platform, right? Uh it's very difficult which we we already are as a group uh, our audience is like super supportive of us. Like there's not really another channel uh of our size in audience that gets funded on twitch alone like we do by an Mm -hmm. audience um but it's very weird as a company with like multiple hosts and um kind of bigger productions i I find myself constantly comparing myself to uh other streamers and content creators but it's hard because these are just single people you know i can't i can't really it doesn't make any business or growth sense to to mm-hmm. compare uh, like the brand of hang time to um i don't know like a like a, a an Andy Cortez or a a, a BB Jess or a, or a Sorry TV right it's uh who who i compare myself to now because those are like really really growing streamers right mm-hmm. yeah um but it's very strange it's like i can't even emulate what they're doing or their um their content because it's just different content than we're making, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, sure. it's, it's not going to be the same. So I couldn't even emulate it if I wanted to, unless mm-hmm. I broke the brand up and we started personal channels. Right. Yeah. And to be fair, like what works for them may not work for you. Even if you did yeah. emulate it, like yeah. you, you might only be stuck with like a lot more, a lot less oh, viewers yeah. than whoever, you know, is getting more viewers on that content. So yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. They've fostered audiences that are there for the content they're creating. So it's like, exactly. you can't even, but, yeah, it's yeah. It, it makes me think of uh, like when COVID first kind of became a problem and like a lot of people started like hunkering down at home and a lot of people we know within our community were like, well, I guess I'm going to start streaming. Yeah. And like, yeah. I can't tell you how many people I've sat down and I helped kind of like guide how to stream, how to set things up, how to yeah. do the process, because a lot of these people had no idea. They're just like, well, I don't know what else to do. Hmm. And then they're coming at me like, you know, oh you know what about this what about this i'm not getting any viewers i'm not doing this and it's like don't you shouldn't even be worried about that like it's yeah that's not this, even <laughs> like and discoverability on twitch is just like through the floor you have yeah. to be active on social media especially now yeah. tiktok wow i've seen some streamers grow so much and it's just from tiktok content i yeah. have followed multiple streamers <laughs> on like through tiktok and then i'm like oh holy shit that's how they that's how they did this that's how they grew yeah. 5,000 followers in like four months because yeah. they're continually posting on other platforms. My my Twitch rep has told me that 
every time I'm like, hey, organic growth and scurability is like really terrible on Twitch. Even the Twitch rep is like, well, are you posting to other platforms? And it's like, are you telling me to navigate away from your platform? platform? (laughs) It's it's um but twitch knows it has a discoverability problem too so but yeah uh tiktok's huge uh i think tiktok is like king of video i think i think the 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 second tiktok was like hey everybody can be an editor it was over like i i yeah youtube youtube just to me youtube feels ancient like Mm -hmm. after tiktok because the the way it drives the algorithm the way tiktok can make anybody uh anybody interesting i mean we're watching we're we're now watching plumbers who've never cut a video in their life edit montages of them pulling wash rags out of bathtubs and weirs viewers are like oh that's a good one and yeah. just addicted to the content yeah, wow sure. but tiktok tiktok's awesome yeah i think i think anyways for promoting yeah. content for yeah. promoting like creative content it is yes it's it is a great platform i would yeah. agree it's such a good uh it's so good at m- making the viewer uh form habits <laughs> it's mm. oh wow that was cool what you know what uh, else is on here but yeah as far as content creators that's that's this consuming content i try to blitz video games i try to blitz tv shows and i try to square away the the time for work to uh to to be selfish uh which is what i'm doing right now for elden ring if that yeah if that's a, if that's a good segue Absolutely. <laughs> let's, let's get away from the depressing. Nice one, yeah. Not nice. podcast for a living. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Good segue, buddy. Peggy, Peggy goes, nice one, Sean. She, she does that to me too. Like anytime I do a good segue, she was like, "Nice segue, Dan." Yes, yes. And I'm like, good segue. thanks, Pagan. We love a good segue, guys. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, right now, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, was, I was going to say, just you were commenting on Alden Ring. Yeah, uh, so at Hangtime, we have multiple hosts. It's myself and Grayson and PETA. We have a technical director, Chase, and then my wife, Chelsea. She runs like uh, business admin and um, all the important stuff, right? Uh, but I'm a huge From Software fan. I remember I bought my I bought Dark Souls like three years after it came out for like $5 on the Xbox store. And I was like, sure, I'll try it out. And then... I remember about 20 or 30 minutes in, I was like, I don't like fantasy games, uh, but this is now my entire life. (laughs) uh, It was like the best $5 I ever spent. I played it for like 100 hours and uh, multiple playthroughs, and I've played all the From Software games and stuff. But on the channel, it's kind of weird because on the channel, Grayson has been the one to play like all the From Software games Mm. for the audience. So the audience... Uh, I used to play from software games on my own personal channel before um, like hang time was a thing. And I had like a streaming company and stuff. So I'm like the hardcore from software guy, but the audience has seen Grayson be the hardcore from software guy. So Ah. it was a little bit sad to like (laughs) not stream it, but I kind of made the decision. I was like, Grayson, they're used to supporting you during the streams. They're used to watching you. You be that guy for them, and then oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the day off and play it alone, and just get I'm gonna try to get as far ahead of him in Elden Ring as possible while he's playing today. I'm gonna be playing this afternoon and Saturday and Sunday, and uh, I'm gonna try to get far enough ahead of him to where on Monday I can go into the office and then uh, like host the stream with him, and it will all uh-huh. be stuff that I've seen 
but it sucks because yeah. Elden Ring is so non-linear. Mm-hmm. I'm having to clear map as fast as I can and efficiently um, because even if we played for the same amount of time, uh, even so- if- completely different experiences. Exactly. Yeah. Like I booted up the stream this morning when he was live and um, Chelsea last night, uh, she suggested I use a key, uh, like a limited key that you can get at the beginning uh, whenever mm-hmm. you make your character. And it, it, took me on like a two hour diversion and i was like i was like shit grace grayson's grayson's not gonna do that right when he plays so now um after i'm done with business today i have to <laughs> have to go and be you like have to try and like make up the two hours you lost exactly well, you didn't lose but just yeah <laughs> it's funny putting it into that kind of context because it makes me think about how um like i love survival horror games mm-hmm. and I'm not very interesting to watch play survival horror games, but Pagan, on the other hand, is extremely entertaining to watch play survival horror games, even though she has no knowledge of them. It's because I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's because I'm absolutely fucking terrified out of my goddamn mind will shit my pants scared. Yeah. Out of yeah. any like horror game at all. So I, I, I play horror games. I'm just like, mm, that was gruesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of the running yeah. joke that I'm dead inside. Yeah. Mm. You, you, you got to put, you got to put, the scaredy cat in front of the games. Yeah, right? like so. when we first met, I was like, Peggy, you need to stream horror games. She's like, but I hate horror games. I'm like, that's why you need to play them. Yeah, and I have like yeah. a whole a whole shtick now, and that that is my shtick. I will play horror games and I'll do it on my own channel. And I haven't uh streamed it in a while. The last time I did it was uh, Resident Evil 7 and 8 for charity. Uh-huh. Um, because I'm like, if I'm gonna fucking suffer, someone's gonna benefit <laughs> from this, and it's going to be charity. Yeah. Uh, so I I would run it that way, but yeah it, it's fun it is i have to say the, the horror game is fun but the anxiety that i get filled with even before i'm recording something or before i go live and i'm holding the control in my hand and i'm hearing the menu sound i'm like oh my god uh-huh. why do i do this to myself yeah. <laughs> like, i really don't want to play this have you done horror vr um, yet no it's the no. worst <laughs> yeah and i i just i got an oculus quest 2 for christmas Oh yeah, I'm very excited about that. But no, I have not yet delved into horror VR. That is the yeah. thing that I was like, no. But to be fair, I've said it like for a very long time. I was like, I will never play Resident Evil Seven. I will never play Dead Space. They're far too scary. Like it's just never happening. Uh-huh. I have now. Now that's played... yeah. <laughs> I have played yeah. Resident Evil now Seven, um, and Resident Evil Asian. I am currently through, uh, almost half of Dead Space. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah, so looking fine, forward to her playing Dead Space everyone too. says the same thing. They're like, but have you played Resident Evil 7 in VR? I'm like, yeah. no, why would you do that to yourself? It's really, uh, there's, a, there's a PlayStation 4 game called Paranormal Activity, I think, where you have to wander around an entire house. And it's like, it's kind of like the beginning of Resident Evil 7, right? It's very, mm-hmm. it's very, um, it's very confined, but that makes it real. And at the end of the game, I was, I was playing in VR, I was, absolutely horrified and we had jump scares on of course to where i had the headphones on to where the audience would donate and it would be like a loud scream uh yeah that's got me a few times yeah but i remember in vr i was i was walk there was a monster or like something coming behind me and i was walking away and in vr i i turned i ducked down and i looked between my legs because i was curious i was curious if the game actually programmed it to be on screen if you couldn't see it okay does that make sense yes like yeah yes it was actually um, 
tangibly there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was just curious about the tech of the VR if it was like if it could if it would process it if you weren't looking at it. So I just looked between my legs and it was like like coming at me. <laughs> and I was and I like I was like almost fell over, but VR is VR is absolutely terrifying. I'm so excited yeah, no. to play VR and horror, VR horror games because I haven't gotten a VR headset yet and I love horror games to the point where like because it's so hard for horror games to actually scare me, that's like my challenge whenever I play mm-hmm. a horror game. Like, I'm like I want this game to scare me, and it happens from time to time. The last game that got me really good was Phasmophobia. The first time I ever played that game, like it was like I full on like shrieked, yeah. <laughs> like this doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So that was a big deal. Like this game like actually scared me, and it actually like I'm able to go yeah, <laughs> yeah. The um but, the quest two is like incredible. Like yeah. That that is so, it's so different. It, it it's the first time I've ever I've ever really been like this is VR. It's just not having the setup is easy, turning around is easy. But mm-hmm. um, Resident Evil Four on the Quest Two is um, it it it's so it makes regular Resident Evil Four like a piece of shit. It's like yeah. not even you like never want to play it again <laughs> unless you're playing it in VR because in VR it it you. You know, in RE in RE4, like you you knock somebody over and like you're like kind of clumsily and you aim down. In VR, you kick somebody over precise. and they're on the ground and you're like, you just shoot them in the head a couple of times, right? Um, but the way that game is programmed is really cool. Like you the way the reload is is really neat with the with the guns and stuff, but hmm. um it's not very scary because of how uh how easy it is. Hmm. You would say that, Sean. <laughs> no, I will still no. shit my pants. I can't yeah. tell you this enough. Like it doesn't need to be difficult. I will still, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's still I, scary for me. I but I get I, where you're, I get where you're coming from on that, Sean. Though, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing like if, if that, if the quest really gets a library of like old classics that could really mm. benefit from it. But because I think that's what pays a lot of uh, like tribute to the old classic Resident Evils and similar survival horror games is like. The chunky controls is what kind of adds to the horror because you're slow to react. You can't just, you know, spin around, bang, bang, bang. Yeah, and absolutely. It's that that builds that tension. I think yeah. Resident Evil, since it's more of a Resident Evil Four, at least since it's more of an action game, it lends itself well. I don't know if I would want to play. I might play classic Resident Evil Two in VR. I don't know if I mm. can handle playing RE Two remake in VR. That'd be crazy. RE Two remake in VR sounds terrifying yeah that's, no, thank you i will yeah. pass unless we're raising money for charity then yeah maybe. that's a good charity stream for you if, if you yeah. want re2 and vr uh, re2 in general is like one of the greatest games ever made so i yeah that's absolutely one of my probably my favorite games ever made and i actually was going to ask you that too if you can if you have a favorite game i know you're pretty passionate about the uh from soft games yeah i think uh i think uh i think my top three uh San Andreas is my favorite game. Oh wow! Um, Hollow Knight is probably my second Ooh. favorite game. Bloodborne is probably my third, and uh, you know, Last nice. of Us, Red Dead, Last of Us Two, um, Red Dead Redemption Two, Dark Souls, Final Fantasy Seven, mm-hmm. Final Fantasy Fifteen, uh, Resident Evil Two Remake, uh, Resident Evil Seven. I, I'm I'm big into survival yeah. horror and I guess spooky stuff. I, I didn't really realize. You didn't but, think of it until right now, right? Yeah, but like, <laughs> like oh, Hollow yeah, Knight. 
Hollow Knight and Bloodborne. I think it's just the sense of wonder is what's really important for me. Hollow Knight mm-hmm. is uh man, Hollow Knight is just like a just a perfect game. I don't So good. So good. I I've not played it yet. I actually haven't ever played any of the front software games, but I hmm. played um recently for a video for content. I've I've just done like the first maybe hour, hour and a half of Bloodborne. Mm. Um I was gonna um, ask you if you've played anything yet, Pagan. So <laughs> No, and, and, and that's just it. Like I totally get it. Fucking brutal game. Brutal. Yeah. But like so good. I, I actually I very much enjoyed it. So I hopefully I'll make more content on that. But um yeah, it was it was a good experience. Yeah, I love <laughs> it's Bloodborne. A, it's a good game. I can understand why there's such hype now for like Elden Ring. Um, because if it's just like if that was just like say the era of Bloodborne, I can understand then they you've got a whole fucking franchise like of Demon Souls and Dark Souls and fucking everything and Sek- and uh, Sekiro as well. And you're just kinda like, Well, I get now why people are so in love with this company and uh, yeah. why they want to play it. It's like very consistent. I think what's awesome mm-hmm. about content creation is we've played Bloodborne like six times on the channel now and um <gasps> We just, we just, uh, we have a new hire in PETA. So when he came yeah. on, we were like making PETA play Bloodborne. <laughs> yeah. And he hadn't played any of them. So, and people love to watch yeah. people play those for the first time. Absolutely. Because um, mm-hmm. they want to, they, they want to do anything they can to, to relive a first playthrough yeah. of that. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, vicarious, vicariously through uh, watching streamers, like, especially for something they're passionate about yeah exactly i've done that on my personal channel too where i've had uh, my girlfriend brandy play resident evil like it was her she's never played those games before and she's just like pagan like terrified pisses her pants from horror games even the original like 1996 resident evil yeah and then now um on our channel we're looking at doing a stream where i'm gonna have one of our um creators play inside for the first time and i'm just Mm kind of like (laughs) <laughs> yeah those are really fun because they're bite size as well like inside and limbo and to yeah. watch um those are great games to stream too because they're they're bite size and watching watching people's first time reactions i think i've watched four different people play limbo that are like my friends because it's just like i know they're gonna make this really stupid mistake and it's just funny you know it's i like in limbo there's there's this one like er, very early on it's like the first obstacle there's grass right but it's all it's all black scenery and there's you can see a bear trap right but Mm. if you weren't playing the game and you weren't looking out for it and you didn't know it was there you're gonna run into it you have no clue and people that and yeah and people that don't know how violent the game is either you know this kid gets his head chopped off and like really gruesome (laughs) Uh, but the voyeurism of, oh, he's going to walk over it. It's going to be so I funny. did that for years after Limbo <laughs> came out. After I beat Limbo, every time a friend came over, that's I'd be like, have you played Limbo? And they go, no. I'd be like, yeah, you are now. Because we can and do I, it in two hours, right? Like, yeah. it's um, like watching a movie. It's it's not like a, um, you know, I think now I can beat Limbo in like 45 minutes because I've seen it so many times. But yeah, what? it's such a, it's such a, it's like a fun evening that you can spend without, uh, you know yeah. and just that like you said you're sitting there like oh he's gonna do it oh like let's see how yeah. they get through this and people like because it always takes a little time for their brain to like wrap around what yeah. that game is doing so there's always that shock and awe moment like you said you see the boy get his head chopped off and you're just like yeah and you're sitting there like yes yeah <laughs> and then you can also like self-validate and you're like i'm so much smarter than my friend what an idiot yeah <laughs> you can't uh, figure out this what a loser yeah and you can say like really dismissive things like 
didn't take me six tries to beat that, but I guess good job. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just yeah, kidding. That's funny. Like, I mean, it's it's interesting to hear that because, like, anytime somebody came over to my house, like, they would say something like, "Why do you, why do you like video games? Or why do you play video games?" and all this kind of stuff. And what I would get them to play is the opening of The Last of Us. Oh yeah. The, and I and I'd be like, "Yeah, what are your thoughts?" <laughs> it's, gonna, it's gonna happen, and I'm like, "What?" Looking at their face, being like, "Are they gonna react the way I think they're gonna react?" Yeah. Some people are very like very emotional about it, like really shook by it i'm like this this is why i play video games yeah gotcha it's got you yes yeah and that's such a cool like bite you know that's like a mm. 10 15 20 minute section that people like yeah. it's very easy to get a non-gamer or somebody that's not familiar to digest that and instantly like get them a rapport with the game are yeah, you excited a lot, a lot of like like oh sorry there's not no. a lot of like movement either like you're not trying to like, yeah you don't do a lot an awful lot or anything yeah yeah perfectly yeah. good opening Right, Are you excited for that uh, Last of Us Two engine remake of the first game? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I, I mean, hope... yeah. Why not? It's more Last of Us. <laughs> I feel yeah. like it's not necessary, not like? but I'll play the hell out of it. Like I don't think it needs it, but I'm so for it though. I think, uh, I think if you, if you, I've gone back and played one after two, and it, it just, it, it has aged. Really? Yeah, it has aged. You prefer to. Oh man, I love well, the mechanics in two are fantastic. I love, I, I so love two so much more. I'm so Don't glad. Hands, Sean. I'm so glad they <laughs> off Joel. It was like just the yes. <laughs> I predicted just... that on this podcast in the past, and I got yelled at by everyone on the panel really? that day. It was great. What? I just Flipping tables and shit. Yeah. Did you did yeah. you not like two? Um, no, it's not that I didn't like two. I thought two was fine. I just way preferred the first one. Mm-hmm. I have a lot I of think... mixed feelings on two as well. I think yeah. two. I think the issue with two is the length um yes. it's too long for sure yeah i think i think it, there is a little bit of uh, uh there is a bit of bloat i think i think the first one i i beat the first one on that ultra grounded grounded yeah i think it's grounded wow. that took man that took that is probably the hardest game i've ever played like the last of us one on grounded mode um it's way harder than any from software game because you have to be almost perfect and there's no yeah. there's no of that radar stuff but that made one one is like 12 hours to beat on grounded mode it took me like like 30 hours it was so hard wow. mm-hmm. but two is just like the the only issue with two is i don't want to play it over and over again because yeah, it kind of drags a bit yeah so and long. not just that but the emotional yeah the story's very yeah. dark I, I think it's not it's not even that like for me i think i prefer i the, also have the, the narrative German shepherd one. and that's enough for you me you don't like to kill the dog <laughs> you can turn the doggy killing off in that okay yeah, you? you can yeah i yeah. didn't know that yeah i think yeah i didn't, I didn't really Did they add that? like and that's a horrible thing to say it's not like i don't like dogs or things like that whatever just, that, that i can totally dissociate like and just be like what hey, is yeah. the video I'm like Sean's gonna be like pagan, please. Hates He's a dogs. Confirmed. Dog killer. Full hyperbole. <laughs> Hates all dogs. Yeah, rude. Yeah. I think um, my secrets. We st- we only sacrifice them occasionally, Sean. Fuck's yes. Sake. I think I um, think I think one with two's mechanics and it's they would probably be amazing. I think I think that will be mm. an essential yeah. gaming experience, right? I I I hope when they do it they also they also integrate me- like full mechanics i don't want it because i've already upgraded it i don't want it to just be like the models are upgraded to last of us 2 i hope what they're doing is uh bringing in the prone 
the new new weapons um like the rope mechanics and things yeah like the rope mechanics and i i, I really do hope they uh they kind of go all out on that i'm really i'm really hoping like mm-hmm. i remember in last of us too there's this one part where i was hiding under a bed and i shot somebody in the knee and they fell over on the ground and <laughs> they were yelling for help and then i shot him in the head and yeah. i was, and i was like that is the scariest thing i've ever done in a video game like because that is what i would do if somebody broke into my house right like mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh i really i really hope they bring that to to one because as you know deep as one is it's like it's more digestible and you can get that cool combat experience without having to yeah play that 36 hour game but oh yeah. my god i love ellie is so cool in last of us too her character model at the end when she's got the tank top on, she's covered in blood. Mm-hmm. She's like mm-hmm. fighting Abby in the water with a switchblade. Oh my God. Come on. That is the good stuff. Yeah. And the moment like where like she really does click and just be like, it is not worth it. Like it's just not worth changing your life over this. Um, I, I had moments of that. Like I, I was like, what are you kidding me like yeah. for anybody who hasn't played the last of us part two go and play that and then come back to watch this so, so we can spoil it so and you can watch like, our she's, full you know, breakdown episode of the podcast we did too i know <laughs> um so like you know when they kind of leave and they sort of go their separate ways i was i was frustrated with you sean like like, like with with ellie like and I, i'm not gonna lie to you sean like i just think like i've played so long yes this was the whole fucking arc of this game is this like I wanted more revenge Abby. redemption arc for Ellie. Yeah. And this is how it ends where she's like, you know what? Just go our separate ways. And I'm like, you could have done that two chapters ago, friend. Yeah, I think you so. You had to I... go to Miami. <laughs> like, it was like, you had to do all this extra bit. Yeah. I That's think, what frustrated uh, me the most about that game. I think that the issue with, uh, I understand from a narrative standpoint, I would, I would say that the Santa Barbara chapter was necessary. I think that the bloat is in, um, yeah. uh, uh, but I don't really know where the bloat is either. Uh, it's I guess it's hard because I think it's important to show the the military compounds with Abby. It's important to show the infrastructure they have and yeah. the flashbacks. I would say like with yeah. Joel, um, as well as Abby with her father. I think mm-hmm. it's like, um, and it is important to show everything that abby does it's important to show that abby like um i've talked about this on the channel a lot but it's important to show that abby like denies owen love because she's so hellbent on revenge like she robs herself of yeah of life because she wants to kill she's like i have to go prepare this body to go beat the shit out of joel i can't i can't hang out with you with your fish owen you know so does ellie exactly yeah you know, yeah, and it's, it's so reflective. Like the two characters are so reflective of each other. And I actually, uh, like, strong statement. I think I may actually prefer Abby in The Last of Us Part Two as a character than I do with Ellie. Oh, but, I absolutely um, do. Um, but I definitely think like they're so reflective. Like the fact yeah. that she has really robbed herself. And I know there's there was a lot of controversy being like, you can't get that body with the macros that she would have been on. No. And I was like, yeah, but. T- Fuck you! It's a video just, game. Yeah, like, hop on board. Oh my gosh! Like, they were fuck. eating burritos. <laughs> There are zombies, like, fuck off, you know, not zombies, but anybody that's, and and it's like, again, it's, it's, uh, it's like, okay, well, if you played the game, you would know that they had the infrastructure to get those macros, like, yes, you would know that, like, no, viable, yeah, Yeah. you would, you would also know that she's been working on that body for, like, eight years, yeah, you know, it's not, it hasn't been, like, possible, 
yeah. yeah it's like if you played the game you would just shut the fuck up you idiot <laughs> um but um uh, i think it's tough because when in that moment and it, it is so frustrating because you want you want you want some kind of commitment right and it just takes so much yeah. but i i worship um i worship sub subversion it's mm. it's the game holding you hostage mm. through the medium you're you have you have to attack abby as ellie you yeah. the game in the game the i promise you the writers know that you as a player don't want to be doing that like oh yeah the writers would not have given you 12 hours of abby to just me- to to have you try to kill her as ellie without mm. without knowing that you know they program that with the with the idea is like oh man the players are gonna hate yeah it makes ending. you apprehensive it makes yeah. you say i don't want to do this yeah and then the fact that the devs i i personally think that choices in video games are like such a cop out in narrative in narrative driven video games not um like in bioshock i think that choices are stupid like if they want to tell a story and they want to they want to be if they want to tell a really interesting socio uh socio political uh, narrative with this cool universe like tell me what you have to say as a developer um you know but in, in like fallout yeah give me all the choices in the world because i i just want to craft my own story but yeah. the fact uh, of the matter is and even in the end of last of us one the fact that they 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 don't say shoot doctor or just take ellie and run it's like naughty dog is like no hey this is a terrible fucking universe um mm-hmm. do it do it player and as you the players like oh, i don't want to i think <laughs> i am like very into that i think that's the same kind of reason i love red dead 2 and um no real spoilers there but how it handles um mortality uh as a as a game with uh um with its narrative as well and it's it's forcing the player to interact with the medium more thoughtfully mm-hmm. than just like I'm jumping from platform to platform. It's oh yeah. god, my heart aches. Please, it's going to be more that. rewarding for you as a player after all. Like even if you were frustrated with those choices or frustrated with like the subversion of that, like me, even even though I'm frustrated with how The Last of Us Two ended. I'm not like it's not a shit game. Like it was really fucking yeah, good. Exactly. Otherwise, I wouldn't be talking about it, would I? Yeah. Like I would have just stopped playing after ten hours. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I I understand what you're saying. I'm not a massive fan of how that makes me feel in subversion, <laughs> like when they're subverting my expectations. But can totally understand it and appreciate good writing and good narrative. Yeah, I think it's just like- um, it's hard. It's it's hard when it's not a ten episode series, and it's it's hard when that experience feels like too big you know but at the same time it's like like maybe a couple of chapters with ellie you could have taken away but like pretty much all of abby has to be there unfortunately um because they because they have to earn they have to earn the kill you do i uh i really think I really, really think that if Last of Us 2 would have opened with Abby going to the Firefly hospital room and finding her dead father, I feel like I feel like we would have different fan yes. discourse about it. 
Um, I think uh, I think that the the pitfall with Last of Us Two from uh, I'm sorry, I'm just obsessed with this game. So (laughs) the pitfall of Last of Us Two really is that um, it requires work that gamers and especially like entitled toxic male gamers um they don't want to do you know yeah. they'd rather look yeah. at the screenshots and be like you know abby's mm. weird looking you know um but i think if i think if players had opened that game with her finding her dead father it hitting her emotionally just like joel's daughter's death hit if they had mm. played that up like they they did joel's daughter's death it yeah. it would have given them and then just have the game play exactly like it did. Yeah. Um, that it would have been a fun. better, stronger opening to my, in my opinion as well, to have that same emotional weight going into it. Mm-hmm. Just like the first game started with Joel's daughter dying. Yeah. And then from the get go, you know, instead of, instead of, you know, fuck Abby, she killed my, my leader. It's, it's, oh man, I can see why she did that. I hope this works out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right yeah i wonder what would have happened if they started the game with abby period like if i, I kind of wish that happened yeah if they would yeah. have flipped it completely I, I wish that it had been marketed as an abby game and you yeah. knew nothing about her so it was they just should have pulled a hideo kojima and like made you think it was one thing and then when it came yeah. out you realized yes. oh no wait it's something I, else yeah that's totally <laughs> how i think that that should have gone like you should have started like as abby maybe in the compound or whatever and you're on this revenge mission and you don't know who it is until you run into joel and tommy and yeah. like that's where that like the game would have shifted and you would have been like wait a minute oh <laughs> you know like i that that's how i felt that narrative should have played yeah. out in my head and again no disrespect yeah. to not dog you guys did an amazing job of because because they listen to this podcast but yeah. they did they, they did an amazing job but i just think like for me that's how narratively yeah. i would i would and even that. even the interest is playing as abby and um and uh hearing after 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 you kill joel and stuff yeah and you hearing the without have playing ellie's part yet you hear rumblings like in the camp of like Hey, like somebody's been killing the shit out of us. Yeah. And like you as Abby playing the front half, you know that it's like, oh man, I'm gonna get to play as Ellie and do all this shit later. Like, yeah, I don't know. Just the fact, but anyways, like they kind of do that the flip way, either either way, they 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 do that. They flip it's just, it. It's just that yeah. we wish it was reversed. The yeah, characters have yeah, been yeah. yeah. But that's I don't know. Uh oh, hang on. You got you got check. Hi, Kate. Hello, buddy. Come on. Oh. He is the cutest. <laughs> He's being camera shy. Come on, oh buddy. Oh my god! Ah! <laughs> Come on, my best friend in the whole world. I He's love you. oh, he's a big <laughs> hugger. He you. usually jumps right up. <laughs> he's come my come dog. Can I have a? Come I've here. Never seen her in spots <laughs> like this. <laughs> oh my god! Come he's here. a good Look at boy. Him. He is he's the best sit. boy. I'll give you a close up. Uh, Kate, Kate, the podcast dog. What an asshole! Oh my god, I hate him. <laughs> I hate him. What a dickhead. Oh, man. <laughs> so what a sweet. cutie. Oh, man. No. They're all rescue dogs, aren't they, Dan? Yes. He's actually yeah. a rescue, believe it or not. A rescue? Somebody let him go. Look at him. He's lovely. What a bunch yeah. of idiots. Let's just find right? him. Put them he in He is the most too. loving dog yeah. in the world. Like, I think every day that we got him and then yeah. we gave him a home. Aww. Oh, God. <laughs> 
I'm right getting, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> um, especially since video games are so interactive, I think I think the reason that gamers are so toxic and there's there's a lot of assholes in our space. No offense, audience. Sorry. Um, <laughs> is that um, since you it's an interact since mm-hmm. it's an interactive medium, um, they think that the game is theirs. You know, yeah. it's like right. You know, it's it's right. my playthrough. I'm this character. I am Joel. You know, uh, yeah. how could how could Naughty Dog take me away from me? Right. Uh, but that's what makes it really interesting. And I think that's why I like the sub subversion a lot is because you can't get that from film or. Uh, yeah, you can't yes. get that when you're watching a film. You're like, oh, man, please don't do that. And when you're playing a game, it's like, oh, I don't want to do this, but I want to see yep. what happens. So just yeah. hold you hostage. I think that's all really, really interesting stuff. It creates such yeah. a different discourse because of that fact that it's an mm. interactive medium. Mm. Yeah, and we can, and it's mm-hmm. even more interesting to talk about uh, analytically because it 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 adds layers to experience as well, right? So yeah, mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's just fascinating. Like like you say, like especially with the horror games and stuff like that, you know that you don't want to go in there. <laughs> like there's something banging on the door in Bloodborne and in Dead Space, and you have to go over to that place over there, and you're like, I I don't want to though. Thankfully, yeah. with Bloodborne you can go right, but like with Dead Space, you actually do have to go there. But the reward pays off. So even though like you have this hostage moment, the reward pays far greater than any sort of TV show or film or anything like that, which is the thing why this is such a popular medium because you just, you have, um, you have both sides of that coin. You have like this almost anxiety to be like, no, I don't want to do this thing. Like, ah, oh, this, I don't <laughs> want to fight yeah. Ellie or I don't want to kill Abby. And the reward, the reward then does actually pay off. And you're like, oh, yeah. And it's still like, still like, well, and even, even as a lover of the game, I'm like, well, just been 36 hours to get that, but I guess still, (laughs) still, oh, I'll go with you all all day. (laughs) Like, don't fight. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Pretty sure I like cursed Naughty Dog several times (laughs) when I was playing that game. I was like, you sons of bitches. Yeah, but even even then, um, they 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 kind of reward the player by by a it would have. You know, I God, we're gonna talk about it for I'm sorry. But even when <laughs> even when she gets back, even when she gets back, at least Naughty Dog's smart enough to be like, no, Dina said that she can go fuck herself. Like, I'm out yeah. here. I'm t- I'm taking the kid, you bitch. Like yeah. you yeah. know, it's like if if she would have got back and in in Dina would have been like, Oh, honey, you're, you're home. Fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, no repercussions for your actions. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think that they uh Man, the Ellie sequences with the PTSD of Joel, mm. like in the barn and stuff. What a great, what a great way of like showing why, why it's like, oh, why couldn't she just let it go? And, and everything in The Last of Us Two that you could complain about has an answer mm-hmm. in the game. It's yeah, like, true. oh, it's like, oh, why would, why does Ellie have to do that? And then it's like, well, she's hallucinating in the barn and yeah. having complete mental breakdowns, and it's affecting her relationship with her wife. So. She just can't let it go. Yeah, there's she's... no physical way that she could let it go. Even yeah. though you, as the gamer, are like, shut the fuck up. You have a nice house and a and a farm just, and a baby and stop. a. Would you stop? Please yeah. Stop. Yeah, but you, just I mean, can't. you can't. You can't fight trauma. It's tough. You just cannot fix the trauma. No. Oh uh, God. That's um, God, what were you we saying right before that? Sorry, I was. Oh, yeah. saying you, right you had a you had a really good point about the the horror stuff. It's like. You know, you're watching a movie and you can yell at a screen for somebody. Don't go in there, you 
you fucking idiot like what yeah. are you doing yeah. and then you're like well the shotgun's in there uh so i i yeah. am stupid and i have to go in there you know so to progress through the story i have to turn on this elevator but it's in the star call and i don't want to yeah and it's waste deep <laughs> water there's something and in there and when i hit this button it's gonna make a bunch of noise and everything's gonna come rushing at me and i have to deal with it <laughs> yeah no, i i usually just press pause and i'm like no all right i'll be i'll be right back when i've re recuperated yeah you can, um, you can i've got myself together yeah fortunately the deal. i was recently found out you can't do that in bloodborne oh yeah no oh, you can't idea. you can't pause <laughs> yeah. it from pause soft games game. And I was yeah. like, oh, okay, I'm I'm gonna end it here, kind of thing. And I'm like pausing the game, I'm like, oh, okay, nope. I guess you can't pause that game. And then it's like, wait, you actually you can't pause this game? Yeah. <laughs> oh no, why? Why'd you do this? Yeah. This is bullshit. I was I'm gonna echo what anymore. you were saying too before about like that satisfaction level. And I think that's what makes FromSoft games so great is they have that risk reward mm. factor. That yeah. and we talked about this when we talked about Elden Ring a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, and it was that. The, the sense of discovery that FromSoft games have and that like, oh my God, here's this crazy massive creature that can eviscerate me in seconds. Yeah. But then like that overcoming that obstacle, that overcoming that difficulty is just such a massive like, Wah! yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it's, I don't, it's, it's impossible, right? Until yeah. you beat it and then yeah, exactly. you move on. Mm -hmm. I, um, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No. I was going to move you on to a different topic, but you, you can no, fine. Go ahead. No, no, you're fine. No, you go. <laughs> no, you go. I, I was going to say, just as you sort of like you dropped a hip, uh, like a tidbit there, you were like, you know, you've learned a lot from being um, in Screwatech to like start your own company and stuff. Is there anything that you would, you kind of touched on it a little bit. You were like, sit next to the people who own the company. But is there any advice that you would give to content creators? Because there is so many in this community that uh, that we have, that we're a part of. There's so mm -hmm. many people who are out there like streaming or making content for YouTube or writing articles and stuff specifically in the streaming and YouTube space, because I know that is something that you do. Is there any advice that you would give to those content creators starting out? I think uh, one of, I, I don't know if this is uh, good advice or not, but one of the things I really like to tell people who say they want to stream or say they want to be full-time content creators is I like to address the gravity of the realisticness of mm. it happening for them full-time. Uh, so like my position comes from getting a one in a million shot because an email was answered as an intern. Three years of posturing myself, saying no to huge projects and opportunities because I wanted to make something different. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, four more years of you know, 14 to 18 hour work days being fortunate enough to carry over an initial audience of, you know, a hundred thousand to a YouTube channel, um, fundamentally destroying that audience, rebuilding it from ground up, um, splitting ways with a, uh, with a business partner, mm -hmm. growing a brand, uh, uh, rebuilding that audience that split with that business owner, then rebranding, risking it all to change names and uh overall like almost a decade in the industry that's what it's taken for me to be, full, to, to be a business right not Here's to, your checklist yeah, like are not, you ready to do all this what i didn't mention was like four different company acquisitions at like the at&t 
Warner Brothers level. Wow. Also quitting Rooster Teeth <laughs> um, and also gambling on an audience instead of AT&T paychecks. Mm-hmm. Like also literally saying, hey, I trust I trust these couple of thousand people more than one of the, the biggest media conglomerate in the world. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that as well. I think the the biggest pitfall, especially for young creators, is that, oh, yeah, anybody can do it. I think TikTok's made it a little more uh, possible. Uh, but to get to the to get to the stage where you have an audience that supports what you do, it takes incredible um authenticity can't bullshit it takes um and one of the other things i like to say is it takes indefinite time for something that statistically numbers wise is not going to happen yeah i think it's it's really i think it's important you know i'm on twitch reddit all the time i'm on um i see people that are like i'm a twitch coach and stuff like that they don't tell you that this is lottery lucky to mm-hmm. be a full-time creator. Now, the mm-hmm. I, I went because I went through multiple media companies, but to just say, hey, I'm going to stream one day. First off, are you, uh, are you an elite gamer? Second off, who do you know that's already a streamer? Like, um, the only streamers I've seen really grow from nothing have embedded themselves in popular streamers' communities, been a mod, been active in other people's chats, um, uh, been uh, a, a amazing community member, and then and then grow. And even then, those channels have you know 25, uh, 30 viewers, which puts you in uh, 25, 30 viewers on Twitch. You're an elite streamer. Like, don't let anybody take that away from you. Right? Ten viewers, you are absolutely crushing the game you're already in the top five percent right um but i think it's i think it's a dangerous culture to get on the twitch reddit Mm -hmm. and see people be like i streamed for 14 hours i got a viewer what am i doing wrong and then having just endless people say just keep grinding and be consistent with your schedule and it'll happen because Mm -hmm. statistically it's it's not and I think uh, after the Twitch leak and stuff, you know, um, mm. we were, you know, we're like we were on it. We were very high. Our our company, we have a, a very fortunate audience. We were high on that list. Um, but what that people when that Twitch leak happened, people were so focused on how much money like the top streamers were making and not the fact that like there were there's like a couple of hundred streamers out of 10 million Twitch users that can make a full-time living streaming. Yeah. And uh that should have been the focus. Uh that Twitch leak could have taught the world something about mm. the realities of being a content creator um or a YouTuber or a TikTok influencer. And again, I would say if you're trying to be a content creator, you should just go to TikTok. TikTok. You should just cut all cut all the fat. Go mm-hmm. live on TikTok, take um, build donations into your TikTok, monetize your TikTok, uh, find a niche that is interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, the buddy, the first step is to say, do as a creator, am I willing to invest indefinite time? Not 40, not 40 hours a week, not 50. Are you willing to invest every single hour 
of your week. Are you willing to be a slave to social media? <laughs> because you're mm-hmm. going to have to be to grow your, your yeah. platform. Um, are you willing to um, invest uh, endless dollars? Are you willing to sacrifice relationships, a full-time job? Uh, uh, are you willing oh, to... <laughs> yeah, yeah. security. Um, are you willing to get off of your eight-hour shift as a bookkeeper and then stream for three hours? And can you do it every single day? And if the answer is like, if you want to do it as a hobby, do it as a hobby. Don't expect to get a single viewer ever. If you want to do it mm-hmm. as a business, understand that it is indefinite time. That's still probably is not going to happen unless you know yeah. somebody or you are or you get on at a company and you kind of build out from there. Like that's what happened with with me. So solid advice. It's scary. If I can uh, try to close this out and uh, take Sorry. us home, I'll. No, man, it's all good. It, all. It's, been, it's an been hour and great. 40 minutes. <laughs> I'm a yeah. Okay, well, I was like, how much longer do we think we can squeeze out of him? Like, this is great crack. <laughs> I know. This is great. Absolutely. No, you have stuff to do. Yes. Um, oh. But I wanted to turn it back on you and hang time. And uh, one of the last things I wanted to check with you is uh, like recently with the hang time podcast, you've had some really cool content creators on there, like Khalif Adams and uh, Blessing. Uh, oh, cool. Bruce Green, which I actually helped with a Bruce Green interview for Couch Soup as well. Like mm-hmm. some really great people to talk to. And uh, I'm wondering if that's like a format that you guys want to keep doing. Or is it going to go yeah. back to more of the in the studio with the gang kind of uh, thing? Ultimately, ultimately, that is an attempt to front load the channel with collabs. And also, since we will be having our giant sub push and a move into the new studio over the course of like two months, I was trying to front load content. Uh, construction got delayed on our studio, so I'm, I'm having mm. to do studio episodes again, right? Uh-huh. But... um. You know, collaboration is the key to growth uh, here. Uh, the channel's grown okay. It's got like, I think we're coming up on like 2,000 subs. Uh, I was kind of hoping to have hit four or five, especially with the degree of, you know, the yeah. the fame of people we've collabed with. Uh, but I was really just uh, doing all those one-on-ones to really uh, posture and have two months of podcasts ready, which we still do. Um, but the format typically will will be us on a couch in our new studio uh, mm-hmm. or at a, at a table or I don't know what our podcast is going to look like yet, but uh, it'll be us in studio doing that weekly. And we will have guests on, uh, nice. but I really just wanted to, you know, honestly, with our rebrand and, uh, you know, our changes over the year, we've been a lot more vocal about a lot of socio-political issues and a lot... Uh, uh, a lot more uh, active in standing up for human rights. Uh, and I wanted guests on like Greg Miller uh, and uh, Lawrence and uh, BB Jess and stuff. I wanted guests on that could teach any audience that came over from the old YouTube channel to the podcast channel of like, this is what hang time is going to be like. Right. So uh, that's one of the reasons I've, I wanted to collab with those to kind of draw draw a line of like hey you can expect us to talk about you know politics and human injustice on this channel so get ready uh that standard yeah exactly set it set a good standard but um 
interesting yeah. i don't think i've seen that before i don't think i've seen an open like an open discussion of that but that's probably just me and my sheltered <laughs> consumer content uh type <laughs> thing so uh that sounds interesting to me no i i would recommend you go watch the greg miller podcast if you're interested about yeah. it kind of funny is like to me an incredible leader in um in not being afraid of alienating audience uh ah. to uh and I would I would advise if you want content creator tips, I would say that if you if you're passionate about something, I mean, I guess this is advice for what I would consider assholes too. <laughs> um, you're gonna foster the audience that you that is there for the authentic you. Don't bullshit. Because in a couple of years, you're gonna they're gonna find out what you're really like. And you're either gonna have an audience that has known all along and they have your back, or they're gonna be pissed. So mm-hmm. Uh, it's not too far off from couch soup's motto it's the unfiltered pop culture and that's something that um like as we've been kind of brought into the fold as a podcast as well as contributors for the website what they want from us is the the real us like don't don't sugarcoat things don't be a dick but also you know give us your true and full opinions on different material yeah authenticity it's like uh you know, Wendy's, they're like, quality is our recipe. I like, I like to say that authenticity is like hang time's recipe. And I think, I think, uh, I think that's like a revolution that's happening with content creators. You see a lot more content clips now of like, uh, you know, it used to be like, don't feed the trolls. And it's like, no, tell the trolls to go fuck off and then ban them from yeah. every, from every single channel you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I don't know. I think it's incredible that content creators are now curating their channels and cultivating. Because I, I don't want, I don't, I don't want, want toxicity either. Like yeah. I don't want that. Go yeah. away. No. <laughs> and it's like, I like it's the, like it's like the rise of the unban forms, the unban requests. Yes. On, on YouTube. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's Quality like, you, it, I, I, it's, it's like, well, you're not being inclusive. It's like, no, I just would never hang out with you, so you don't get to be on my channel. Like. <laughs> I, I consider I consider our sure. channel like a party. It's like it's it's my house. It's, it's our house. If I would actively avoid you at a party, um, then I'll just ban you. Like I don't want you here. It's easy. <laughs> you seem like a dick. Click yeah. ban. Okay. I don't want to be around you. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. Enough. Yeah. True. Very true. Right. Well, I think we've taken enough of your time today, sir. It's been an excellent chat. Um, Loving the random down the rabbit hole Last of Us conversation. Yeah, by the way. Like, it's all good. Very much appreciate it. Oh. Um, but yeah, I wanted to make sure that we, you know, shout out your channel. It's a uh, Hang Time on Twitch as well as YouTube. Uh, you've got the Hang Time Raw and Hang Time podcast as well, and the Hang Time uh, Crew channel, which is going to be relaunching when we're in the office. So if you go to YouTube.com/slash Hang Time Crew, it's it, there's only a couple of videos on it. I've unlisted all the content, uh, but as soon as we start building our new studio, that's going to be the first video on there. And then you'll start seeing some um, some more uploads. We also have hangtime.gg, which is our website, mm. where you can uh, buy merch, get some more information about us, and you can book commissions. Uh, you can actually fund an entire stream of a game of your choice. Right. Um, kind of like a tattoo session, only it's cool. us live streaming uh, for our audience, and you've basically been the sponsor. Because you guys are doing the first one of those this weekend, correct? Yeah, on Sunday we're gonna have our yeah. first commissions. Pretty cool. We're playing Obradin. Nice. So if mm. uh, it's like uh, if you have like an indie game or Croc or play uh, Croc, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And 
it would never normally show up on our channel, um, you can basically fund it. And nice. um, that's a really cool idea. Board. Yeah, I hope it works out. I think it'll be fun. So. All right. And then uh, just uh, to close us out, thank you for uh, coming and talking with us today, Sean. Really appreciate your time. It's been a great chat. Uh, for those of you guys watching, if you want to write us, you can reach us at the replayer podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and be sure to check out all the content over at couchsoup.com where you can listen to this podcast while you read the interview with Sean and you can learn more about King Time. <laughs> but be sure to check us out over there. I'm Dan. Thank you, Pagan. Thank you so much for joining us and talking with us today. Thank Sean, you, it's Sean. been a great pleasure. It's been unreal. <laughs> And that for us at the Replayer Podcast is what we call game over. Bye. <laughs> Just, uh, do I wait uh, with the camera? Do I bye. do I look into oh, the camera? Are you ready to go down the rabbit hole? The All Things Alice podcast will explore the cultural phenomena of Alice in Wonderland. Frank Bedore, the author of the Looking Glass Wars trilogy, is your host through a wonderverse of interviews from all types of creators as they chronicle the dark yet empowering reality of Lewis Carroll's fantasies and answer the question, what is it about Alice that captivates us still today? The All Things Alice podcast, available wherever you listen to podcasts.